Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined by the infallible Jake McGee. Always happy to be here. And the indefatigable Dave Somerville. Yeah, I... There's no words. I don't. I, even, I'm not even going to question that. You know, just I, let, let, let's just get on with it. I may have used that one already. I don't actually remember. Um, yes, this is the WinFL show. Thank you for joining us. This week's show, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the AFC North. Um, of course, we've got random stats coming up. Possibly Jake's hot takes. Well, maybe think about that one. No, you bet. Uh, but of course, we've got to start with the news. And Jake, would you like to start us off with the news? What's been going on around the NFL this week? Yeah, well, we'll start off almost exactly like last week. I will talk about a certain contract and pass it on to Dave because the Rams <laughs> are at it again. Um, it was a good week to be a slot wide receiver. I'll get on to the second one after this. Uh, but Cooper Cup, three-year extension worth $80 million. 75 million guaranteed, so pretty much all of it guaranteed, um, meaning 110 million in total over the five years he is now signed up for. Uh, it's the highest guarantee ever given to an NFL wide receiver or non quarterback offensive player. So, what do you think, Dave? I mean, the Rams are just stacking up. We've got Ramsey for the long term, we've got Matt Stafford for the long term, we've got Aaron Donald massive for the long term and now we have cooper cup we have the building blocks for a dynasty in place not that i'm bigging ourselves up just a little bit at all no but not at we all. have the we have the building blocks for i i'd say for something along the lines of uh just domination of the nfc west for years to come if we keep those building blocks in place we have build the build the team around these guys we've got them in place next two next two three years well three years i would say minimum the rams all the way every year let's go it's good to have that sort of nucleus of players to build that you can build a franchise around i mean you you look at all the greatest uh, dynasties, dynasties. I'm not sure how I'm, how I sit on dynasty versus dynasty uh, with regards to the NFL. The TV program I would call dynasty. That I would call that dynasty, but yeah. I do I do tend to say dynasty when we're discussing NFL teams. But you go back to um, the '80s 49ers when you had Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. and like Roger Craig, or or you could add you know Ronnie Lott or someone a defensive player in that. You look at the Cowboys of the '90s. We've talked about them loads with Aikman, Irvin, Emmitt Smith. You look at all these teams, and they have that just just a core of players. It's it's not always offensive players. Sometimes it is defensive players that you have, but they've got that core of players and that makes up for a lot of shortfalls in other departments. So as long as you've got that nucleus of really top class players, I think that you you might be right, David. If they can keep if they all stay healthy, obviously we you know we throw that out every time we discuss this, you know, barring any injuries if these guys can stay healthy and you've got Stafford, Cup, in Donald, Jalen Ramsey for the next, let's say, for argument's sake, three years, that's three years that, unless something goes seriously wrong in the coaching tree, which I don't see happening, you've got to say that the Rams are going to be, if not favourites for the NFC over the next two to three years, at least going to be up there as the top, within the top two or three teams in the entire conference for the next three three years or so. I think the well, the only other thing really to uh, put the kind of icing on the cake today is happy birthday, Cooper Cup today. 
He's 29 years old, and of course, we open our WinFL show with the news of Cooper Cup's extension. But uh, no, I completely agree with what you're saying. Uh, we've got Ramsey, who's also uh, he's a leader in the locker room. We've talked about that so much, how important these guys are. Aaron Donald, I mean, there's been, at this point, Numerous documentaries have been made in the past few months about, or or um, not necessarily complete documentaries, but you know, segments and whatnot, been made about the impact he had on that sideline in the Super Bowl when we were. Let let's let's admit it, we were in a bad way coming out for that second half in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. There, we were, you know, we we gave the ball away, but what we needed was to stop Aaron Donald pumping up the defensive players. To get to the point where, yes, they believe that they can do it now. You know, they didn't have the best game, but he gave them that belief that they can do this. Why are they there? He was there. He was there. He was telling them they deserve to be there. We are here. Let's go and do it. These are the guys that people rally around. People become better because of their leadership. So between Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald... You know what? I don't know how you, for a kind of top player leading quartet, two 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 on defense, two on offense. Can you really say no to these guys, Jake? You, had to, you had to bring helped. up the Rams, didn't you, Jake? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think these this kind of those kind of deals pay dividends in terms of going forward next year. If a veteran is out there, like a Von Miller, you know, you saw it last year with Von Miller and OBJ, mm-hmm. that attracts people going. Okay, if I go to this team, I'm not having to do it by myself. They already have a winning formula. They have good coaches. They've got these players tied down. In fact, you know, if I'm committing to this team for a year or two, I'm not going to be hung out to dry in a, in a three and like fourteen team. You know, next year. OBJ, prime is example. It, OBJ. Is there OBJ any word again, with, yeah. with what's happening with OBJ yet? Do we know what's what's happening? He's not going to be for a while because of his injury. I think it'll be late mm-hmm. training camp before he kind of signs with anyone because they'll obviously want to to yeah, do so a few fitness tests and see how he's getting on. But he'll be with someone, I'm sure, by. By the mid-season. I, I don't doubt it at all. Uh, but that wasn't the only big contract to be signed, was it, Jake? Well, no, there was another slot to receive. It was, it was a good good, good week for them. Uh, Hunter Renfro uh, for the Raiders. Two-year, 32 million extension. Uh, 21 million guaranteed. Um, but I think it's very interesting because new head coach, Josh McDaniels, he loves slot wide receivers. I mean, think of Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. So he probably is uh, rubbing his hands going, yep, I want to get that guy locked down and get him the ball. He's going to be an integral part of that offense. Um, I know everyone's looking at Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, and quite rightly so. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Hunter Renfro is a very underrated receiver. But, you know, the slot position has always been an underrated position on every team. Uh, as you said yourself, you know, guys like Wes Welker and uh, Julian Edelman and all, all these slot receivers tend to be slightly smaller in stature. Again, these are just massive generalizations I'm throwing out there. I think Hunter Renfro um, is an integral part of that offense. Good for him. Good for the team that they managed to tie him up. It pains me to say that. But uh, it is good and good for him to, to get his money. It's good that he's been recognized for that. Sorry, Jake. The only thing I was going to add there as well is that um, I think he's probably one of the most underrated wide receivers, and that, that is someone that hasn't really got the recognition that they kind of deserved. I think he's one of the best route runners in the league, as far from what I can see. Um, so yeah, I mean, well done, uh, well done. I'm getting paid, and I think the Raiders just kind of 
you know, cement a little bit that they are going to be a very, very dangerous team. And again, adding to that stacked, uh, that stacked division, just with the making sure that Renfrew is going to be there for the foreseeable future. I think as we get closer to the season and we're talking about fantasy football, he'll definitely be one to keep an eye on. Because like you say, he's so underrated. He'll still be there later on and he'll be getting a lot of a lot of uh, touches with Josh McDaniels at the helm. Definitely. And I think because of the Devontae Adams signing, let's not kid ourselves on, every team that they go up against, their number one cornerback is going to be on, on Adams. That's going to free up a lot of room. And your other, your safety, safety. Yeah. Are, are, are going to be looking over at Darren Waller as well. So they're really going to be able to split. If you've got, let's say, Adams wide out left and you've got Waller split wide out right, those two safeties are going to be looking at those two players. And that middle for Hunter Renfro is going to be wide open and probably a lot more than even we think. Yeah, it should be a should be a busy season, uh, busy season ahead for Hunter Renfro, and um, he'll be able to earn all of that money he's just made. Oh, quite right. Well, talking about safeties, it kind of leads into the new highest paid safety. Quite recent, just a, an hour or two old, Minka Fitzpatrick, four year, seventy three point six million in total, thirty six of that guaranteed. Um, I think that's very good news for the likes of Jesse Bates and Derwin James. Um, but it makes sense for the Steelers, um, tying down Fitzpatrick, that you know they spent a first-round pick on him all those years ago, trading him from the Dolphins, I believe it was. So keeping him on the team, keeping a core member down. Definitely. Fitzpatrick's a, a, a solid part. The, the, the real glue in that secondary there. And um, he's a, a great player. He's one of the players that, if he sees Darren Waller, will be going, OK, I'm going to have a busy day today. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyone looking at that Raiders receiving core is going to be saying that. We were like, oh, here we go. We're gonna just—it's gonna be a busy day for us. It's gonna be a long day. If that Raiders offensive line can perform, the play calling is up to snuff. I, I'm, as I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't trust McDaniel's. I just don't trust his play calling. But if they can do it, they've got the weapons on that offense. And you know, we're all talking about the receivers. Um, yeah. we're completely forgetting that they were Josh Jacobs a healthy Josh Jacobs is a terrifying prospect and of course they've got arguably the most underrated quarterback in the entire NFL in Carr so mm-hmm. that, that's a that's a solid looking Raiders offense it's it's going to be terrifying to watch if they can get firing on all cylinders yeah to get back to Fitzpatrick a, a sterling player Sterling play. Am I right? Was saying was is he the one who was drafted by the the Jets? No, no, it's Dolphins. A Dolphins. Beg your pardon. The Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. Drafted by the Dolphins. I knew. I knew it was an AFC. Thinking East of Jamal team. Adams. Ah, yes, and he went to Seattle. Is that right? Yes. 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 So Fitzpatrick. Uh, I'm pretty sure that did Ryan Fitzpatrick not say that he wasn't the best? He wasn't even the best Fitzpatrick on the Dolphins. Is that what he said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's I'm sure he said that in a quote because they said, oh, do you think he's the best defensive player on your team or or something of that ilk? I forget the, the, the actual question. And he said, he's not even the best Fitzpatrick on our team. <laughs> so Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, gone, but certainly not forgotten. My goodness. Uh, any other news there, Jake? Yeah, a few little things. Uh, minicamp, uh, mand- mandatory uh, minicamp is either ongoing or, or just starting for most teams. There's been some notable attendees and some notable no-shows. Um, attending, maybe not expected, was Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray, who's you know 
rumours swirling that he's about to be the highest paid Cardinal ever. Uh, Debo Samuels turned up for work and Nick Bosa. So it was a very good week for 49ers fans thinking they might have two holdouts. They've both turned up. Uh, and Alan Lazard for the Packers decided to turn up as well. Um, not all good news for fans, though, because Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf uh, still very much not showing, not happy. And seeing all these other wide receivers getting paid, going, when is it my turn? I think with um, with DK, I, I I don't see him not signing a deal. I think the Seahawks will um, will, will throw a big load of money at him eventually. Um, but I think it's just a case of how long will DK's representatives hold out? Uh, I, I don't think he ever, he didn't really give massive hints that he wanted to leave. I think he just wants, he wants to get paid. You know, he wants this uh, financial security for the future, which is fair enough. We all, we all kind of do that. But um, yeah. Well, what is, what is the Seahawks identity at the moment? It was always Russell Wilson and a running game. And yeah. I mean, and, and, you and, need to be tying down DK Metcalf. They do because you're right. It was always with Russell Wilson, the running game, and the defense, uh, and that's and, what it was. And you know, as we already alluded to, Bobby Wagner's gone. He was essentially the last piece of that Legion of Boom that they had, and uh-huh. you know, Russell Wilson's gone. So you've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and they've they've got to step up. Uh, although, as I said previously, I think uh, the addition of um, Shelby Harris on the inside will be huge for them, and I reckon Noah Fant will, will perform quite well for the Seahawks. Uh, depending on the play calling, again, they've never really utilised tight ends uh, to, a, to a larger extent in Seattle. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that plays out. The only other spot of news I had seen as we're talking about the Seahawks is that it was announced that Richard Sherman... Um, is going to Prime Video or Amazon Prime um, for the Thursday Night Football. I'm not sure if it's for an analyst or if he's commentating. I'm not really sure in what capacity, um, but I know he's been doing his own podcast and he's really been trying to get um, out there after his playing career. Seemingly, he's obviously come to an end. So he went to Stanford. He's incredibly smart, and I'm sure they'll use him as much as possible. It might be like kind of like a Brady situation in the Fox where they're just going to be like, we're not going to give you a job title. We're just going to throw you everything and get our money's worth. <laughs> I suppose, you know, it could work. Um, I, I know that um, previously, Akib Talib had done some anal- analyst work. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget which network it was for. And I really enjoyed listening to Akib Talib in the booth. I thought he was absolutely brilliant because he got so excited he got so mm-hmm. hyped up about it. I thought that's brilliant, and and he's got his own podcast as well. It it does seem to be a thing that's um, ex players and, and you know getting more and more into this. You know, okay, your playing career is over, but your career in the NFL doesn't have to be over because mm-hmm. there are so many other things that you can do, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. I like to see it. Um, I gonna not gonna lie, not a huge fan of Sherman. Never have been. Um, so, but we'll see how he gets on. We'll see how he gets on. I shall reserve judgment on that. Positive is, is he doesn't doesn't play for the Seahawks anymore, so he must have gone up in your your you know. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Well, as soon as he left the Seahawks, he went That's... up in my my opinion. Definitely, he became he just became a better person overall. <laughs> <laughs> That's ter- I, oh, I'm I'm a terrible man. I know. I've just got one thing: is that there is currently a fight for control over the LA Chargers. Uh, so uh, there has been it's it's basically between the Chargers owner Dean Spanos and his sister uh, as he's been sued by his sister and been accused of misogynistic behaviour 
uh, as oh. you know, control over the Chargers has been is kind of wrestled in the courts now. There's another brother as well, and she's suing both of them. Quite possibly, I don't. I, I don't know I all the details, but yeah, I think there's Obviously, a lot Dean of them. Spanos are, being the, the most notable. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's the kind of just about it. Um, but I think there's that's going to be one that could go on for a, a period of time. Um, and the only other one that I saw was that the Patriots released their kicker Quinn and Norden, and they signed a kicker to replace him, Tristan Viscano. Or Viscano, Viscano. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. But um, yeah, Patriots going through kickers, like, basically they go through players in general, to be honest. So no surprises there with the Patriots. Well, you're talking about the Chargers. I actually forgot, I completely forgot last week to mention oh, the yes. fact. Yeah, I, I don't know how this slipped through the net, but it did. <laughs> My own Denver Broncos got so well i don't know if the, the transaction's actually gone through but the agreement is in place that they are being bought by is it uh rob walton i believe of uh walmart fortune for great four, value 4.6 <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it is great value he got less than five billion for the denver broncos absolute incredible value 4.65 billion dollars for the denver broncos and the rumors immediately started about the possibility of building a new stadium. I don't know how Rob Walton's mind works. I just know that if I was a billionaire and I just bought the Denver Broncos and I was going to build them a new stadium, I would call it Mile High Stadium and not stick a company name in it because we know what's going to happen. They'll build it and it'll probably get called either the Walmart Stadium at Mile High Oh, heavens above. Or they'll um, get the sponsor from another company. Yet mm -hmm. another company. And I am sick to death of these stadiums that had the most incredible history. Just getting the names changed for money. It's so frustrating. Back in, not going that far back, see, even the 90s, it's not, a, I don't know if any younger people are going, that's an awful long time ago. No, it's not, right? <laughs> Jake, wow. shut up. It's not that <laughs> long ago. It's not that long ago when, you know, the San Francisco 49ers used to play at Candlestick Park. That's where they played. It then got bought over, and I think it was called 3Com Park. You're like, 3Com? Who, who's, where's, there's no history in that. The, the San Diego Chargers at the time in San Diego used to play at Jack Murphy Stadium. And then it got, they got a huge sponsor, and I think it was called Qualcomm Park. The Miami Dolphins Stadium, used to play man. at Joe Robbie Stadium. And then that got, and, and like in Washington, the, the Washington at the time redacted played at rfk stadium and, and now it's what, fedex field and you're just thinking it's it's ridiculous it's got to come to a point where what's what's going to be the next stadium that's built is it you know the youtube stadium the tiktok stadium you know is elon musk going to have you know tesla stadium <laughs> somewhere that the, the i don't know if there's already an apple stadium that probably is and then you're going to have the 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 new orleans saints playing at the coca-cola superdome and you're thinking what is going on here i it, wish in, in my lifetime it's been the Superdome, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and it's the Little Caesars. Little uh, Caesars Superdome. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, come on. Next door to the smoothie centre of the NBA team. At least some, some names, some company names sort of 
sound better. SoFi Stadium. SoFi Stadium sounds good. Bring it, right? Yeah. Reliant Stadium. Allegiant yeah. Stadium. You know, it's like a word. It's just a. It doesn't mean anything. Just a word. You're like, that's fine. But then you've got, you know. The Bank of America. The bank of, that was the one I was trying to think of. <laughs> the Bank of America Stadium. Like, oh, for God's sakes. Like, what are you. Stop it. Just stop it. The, the Vikings used to play in the Metrodome. And, you know, the, the Houston Oilers played in the Astrodome because it was in Houston. And you had all, they all had these names. Uh, Jack Murphy Stadium was named after a, a reporter, a sports reporter in San Diego. That's who Jack Murphy Stadium, Joe Robbie, as I said, in Miami, that was a stadium they played in. I, I don't even know the name of the Dolphins Stadium. I don't know it. I've got Hard no Rock, idea. Hard Rock now. Hard Rock. Yes, that's right. Hard Rock Stadium. So it is. Hard Rock Stadium. At least it sounds better than Bank of America, I suppose. <laughs> but you just think it's enough, enough with this awful naming of stadiums. I'm sick of it. Just call it what it should be. If I if, if I become a billionaire and I buy the San Francisco 49ers, do you know what I'm calling their stadium? Candlestick Park. That's what I'm calling it. And if people don't like it, I don't care. I can put it called a Candlestick Park too, because that's where the 49ers should play, even though they don't even play in San Francisco anymore. It's Santa Clara or somewhere like that. I think I forget. I'm the sorry, guy. I'm, I'm kind of ranting now. I apologize. Nah, Getting on my high horse about this is that the Saints used to play at the Mercedes Benz Superdome, and now the Falcons play at the Mercedes Benz Superdome. Not at the same stadium. It's just that, their stadium. That's right. Atlanta used Benz. to play in the Georgia Dome. Yep, now it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Mercedes-Benz Superdome. <laughs> Mercedes, I, think, that, I think it's the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I think that's yeah, what it might be called. Which used to be the same, you know, it's just that, that's confusing to me. It's like Saints, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Nope, now it's the Little Caesars and the Falcons are playing at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. It's like, how's that happened? How's the Saints <laughs> and, the, and the Falcons got the same spot? Like, oh. And you used, to have, could, you used to have Rich Stadium or Orchard Park in Buffalo. Yeah. And I, I forget what it's called now. It's, I'm sure that changed name as well. They could go for it. They could double up. They could kill two birds with one stone and they could call the Broncos' new stadium Tebow Tesla Town <laughs> and just go for it. Yeah, we're going to Triple T. That's where we're going. We're going to play at Triple T this season. Tebow Tesla Town. <laughs> and great, great value stadium, you know? So, <laughs> just, yeah, for, for two minutes, maybe. Yeah. So, anyway, 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 get away off topic. That was my fault. Apologies. Denver Broncos got sold for $4.65 billion. So, there you are. That's, 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 where, that's where we started. That's where we started. So, I do apologize yes. to all our listeners there. Uh, anyway, there is one other thing, one other piece of news that came out this week, which we're not going to get into, but I feel we have a duty to, to mention. Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio of the Washington Commanders was fined $100,000 uh, by head coach Ron Rivera for some comments he made about, well, I think essentially what he was doing is that he was comparing the January 6th attack on the Capitol building to Black Lives Matter marches. I think mm -hmm. that's what it was. Now, I don't have all the facts in this. I'm not going to get into it. I don't know if you guys want to weigh in at all on this. We can talk about it when we do the NFC East deep dive when hopefully we'll have a lot more information. Uh, but the facts of the matter are that Jack Del Rio has been fined $100,000 by his head coach 
and uh, he's the defensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. And um, I believe he's deleted his Twitter account. Uh, that's the only things I know. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add to that, or if you just want to leave it until uh, a couple of weeks' time when we go into the NFC East. I, th- I think we can, we yeah we can put we, we know we know the sort of basics, but um, you know Jake, Jake might know more than me. But I think it's more just that yes, that is, he, he made some very irresponsible comments uh, comparing um, the circumstances surrounding um, so, surrounding uh, all the events that happened in the Capitol uh, and George Floyd. Uh, dying as well so I think I, I do think that he realises the mistake but I think there's more to come on this I don't know how much you know Jake either I don't think he realises the mistake I, the, what I've seen on Twitter is a lot of people seeming to confuse freedom of speech um, with kind of you have to you know if you say something you have to kind of deal with the consequences you, you can yeah. say it by all means freedom of speech you can say it but uh, deal with the consequences and uh, deleting all your social medias and, and run away. I, I don't know how you really compare social injustice to a plot to like be the first people to stop a peaceful power you know transition of power in the government they're not really comparable yeah it's um it's it's it was a bizarre bizarre situation but um so yeah that's essentially that's that's the end of the news uh now jake i understand that we we were going we're not gonna we were not it would help if i could speak we were not going to have a hot take this week but we are going to now after something that we mentioned uh, prior to recording is that correct yep we can go for it okay jake um this is jake's hot takes Take it, it is jake's hot take hmm. um but i'm going to open it to the floor it was something that was brought by dave and i was talking about, i think it was george kittle brought up with obviously the the 17 game season now um and the long season uh, I mentioned last week when we were going through the AFC East in terms of some teams having a, a very favourable buy and other teams getting, you know, a week five buy, for example. Mm, I was thinking yeah. that's a, an awfully longer running. Um, George Keller brought up that he thinks there should be a two buys. Um, now, this is something I was listening to Pat McAfee last year or the year before, before the 17 game season was fully agreed on. And he had was very strong on it that if they're doing 17 or 18 games, there should be two buys. And obviously, he's an ex-player. It seems to be something that a lot of the players kind of, you know, if you're going to make us play more, you know, we need to split it up more because, like you say, if one team has a week five buy and one one has a week 12 buy. That's that's a big advantage to, to one team. Um, so I just wanted to kind of bring that up and then get to your guys' opinion on on what you think with the, with the one buy or. Do you think the next you know, collection, what was it the CBA collection bargain agreement? Um, if they do go to 18 games, I'm, I'm sure that's something that they will be definitely pushing for from the players' side anyway. Dave, what do you uh, think? I, 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 I do. I, I don't like to say this. I do agree with with George Kittle, <laughs> but I, I think they should have it that um, they they should if, if they're going to have two. Uh, sort of two buys for each team they should have it for maybe for the AFC in week 16 uh, not week 16 week 6 and then maybe the NFC week 7 um and that's when you can have uh in those within those weeks you would have divisional games only you know you and then you'd have the second one maybe 11 and 12 uh and can I have only divisional games within those weeks um it's something to consider anyway i think the players need a bit of a break because you know these these guys are putting in a hundred percent every single game, and 
I, I think they are putting themselves at risk with the amount of uh, with the amount of games in a row without kind of any rest time. So I know they're athletes, but they are also only human, and I, I do think that it is very fair that these guys get that. So I think that that should be something that sh- they should consider, or even get a few other proposals as well um, to to maybe have that because I think the NFL obviously they are kind of trying to tap into so, to the global demand so uh, to how much demand there actually is which you know the, the the sport is growing globally especially and i think they are just trying just a little bit too hard to tap into that too much and putting the players at risk so i think yeah i'm 100% on board with this here's my opinion uh there there should definitely be two bye weeks definitely but here's what they should do the NFL should have a full-scale revamp, right? That's what they should do. You know how every few years they, like, add a team yes. and then, like, they'll add another team and, and they split the divisions? Because, you know, back in the day, I'm doing it again, guys, going back in time, you had the East, Central, and West. That's what you had. You had three divisions in each conference, um, five teams in, so it was AFC West had five teams, AFC Central had four teams, AFC West had five teams, and in the in the NFC you had five in the East, five in the Central, and four in the West. I'm gonna say it was really bizarre. It was quite bizarre. And then they had two expansion teams. They were the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers in the nineties. And then what happened, teams were moving around a bit. And then you had, uh, you know, the, the Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee. Tennessee. And became the Titans. And then the, you know, Houston Texans became a thing. And the Browns moved to Baltimore and became the Ravens. And then the Browns became a thing again. And so you at the moment, you've got 32 teams. That's fine. But what they should do is just have a major expansion. Eight new teams. 40 in total across your eight divisions, five in each division. That would be great. And there's room to do it. And I, I had this discussion with someone before in the scene. There's not enough big cities. Of course there are enough big oh, cities. A hundred percent there right, is. Right, because, yeah. I mean, you look at Green Bay. Green Bay has a population of a hundred and something. It's like a hundred and ten thousand people that's not even in the top 200 in the united states there are umpteen cities that are much much bigger than green bay so i mean you could have a team in uh, well just off the top of my head pasadena mm-hmm. why wouldn't you you've already got a, you've already pasadena in california you've already got a, a stadium sitting there for them you could have uh, games all these Mexico, Canada, London. Mexico, Canada. I mean, yeah, never mind going across the pond. Look at Mexico and Canada. Good grief. They would die for an NFL franchise. Absolutely would. But you've got all these cities kicking around that are just huge. And then we could have like a 20-week season with, you know, 18 games, two buys. It would be absolutely incredible. That's... That's what they should do. Now, they're not going to do that. I think we all know they're not going to do that. But they absolutely should do that because if you look at a map 
of the USC. Now, I don't know if, if you guys want to uh, get up a, a map of NFL teams in the USA. You will <laughs> find a huge gap. There is a massive, massive gap where there are states that don't have an NFL team. And it's not that these states don't have any cities in them. They just don't have a team. I mean, Las Vegas got a team two years ago. Two years ago. I mean, come on. What, what are you doing, NFL? And you've got all these other cities just sitting there going, do you know what? We could have a team. We're big enough. We could have a team. Just, just. I mean, if you look at the top, the top cities in the USA, right, by population, obviously, all the top ones have um, a, a, a team. You know, you've got New York City, LA, Chicago, Houston, Phoenix. Is there still one in Phoenix? Where are, where are the Cardinals based? Are they back in Phoenix again? I can't remember. That's not as well. Eh? Uh, yeah. San Antonio. It's the next. It's the sixth biggest city. Don't say that because they're always rumored where the Saints are going. Oh That's no! All, you know, <laughs> uh, Philadelphia they their own team so that they can leave us alone. Philadelphia, and then you got San Diego. San Diego doesn't have a team. Saint Louis, you know, Dallas, Austin doesn't have a team. San Jose, Fort Worth, well, Texas Columbus, is, Ohio yeah. doesn't have well, a team. Ohio. Look at the whole of Texas, though. I mean, Texas have two teams now, but yes. at the same time, they're the same size. It's Texas is bigger than the UK, so uh, you know, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, huge. it's it's pretty big. So yeah, when people say, "Oh, there's no room for another team," what are you talking about? Do you have any idea how many for, you know football teams? You know, talking soccer football teams that are in, let's say, Germany. Mm-hmm. The Germany is not a large country by area. But there's plenty of teams there that sell out their stadiums. Look at Italy. Look at the UK. Look at Eng- England. Good grief. And all these cities, uh, you've got, let's just have a look at another couple of cities there. You know, again, just in Texas, El Paso. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma City in Oklahoma. You tell me you can't get it. That's got a bigger population than Las Vegas. Bigger than Detroit. It's bigger than Memphis. It's bigger than Baltimore. It's bigger than Atlanta. It's bigger than Kansas City. It's bigger than Miami. It's bigger than Oakland and Minneapolis and Tampa. You tell me you can't get a team in there. You tell me, oh, maybe um, American football or football, as as <laughs> as they call it over there, wouldn't go down well in Oklahoma. Are you kidding me? College football. Sorry, what was that? Kind of. College football is big in Oklahoma. Well, of I'm course sure they it would is. love a professional. They would, they would cut off their right hand to have an NFL franchise there. So do it. Roger Goodell, I know you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> right? Listen to me. Just do it. You don't have to do it this year. Just put a plan in place and say, do you know, in the year, let's, let's just, right, it, doesn't, it can be far away. 2030. You can just say, in the year 2030, Eight years from now, we're going to go to 40 teams. They can get people to start putting in their bids right now. You've got eight years to get your bid in. Or let's say let's say five years to put your bid in and then three years to actually, you know, do everything else. That's just plenty. Of, or, you know, three years to put your bid in, five years to build your stadium, whatever. I guarantee all these places will already have huge stadiums there. They just need a little bit of extra infrastructure, you know, maybe a little more parking. But, I mean, you look at some of the college stadiums. <laughs> My God. They're huge. They're, they I mean, the, 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 the big house in uh, Michigan, is it? Yeah. I th- uh, is that the big I house? Want to see it. I, I think I, so. I want to say it's University of Michigan. Is it, 
Yeah, yeah. That, that the, it's it, the it's largest huge. stadium yeah. in the entire United States. The biggest stadium of, of, of any stadium. Uh, I don't, obviously, we're not including things like the uh, you know the speedway tracks, uh, but yeah. like a field stadium of, of, of any sport. It's the largest one in the entire United States, and it's for a college team. So you tell me, you can't. There's already massive stadiums. the The USA is littered with sixty, seventy thousand seater stadiums. That you know, you can't turn a corner without bumping into one. Mm-hmm. Just I do it. Wait. Do it, Roger. Get four, eight new teams. Throw them in so that each division has five teams. That would be. I would love that. Wouldn't that, that would be, be amazing? T- yeah. I would be tempted away from the Rams if the Hawaii coconuts came into the league. <laughs> the, the like, there's, there's a massive stadium over in uh, is it Honolulu? Where is yeah, it? Honolulu. Where they yeah. used to have the Pro Bowl every year. Yeah. So there you go. You've got the Hawaii coconuts lined up. You can have the Oklahoma oysters, you know, <laughs> ready to go. New Mexico. I don't know. I, I better be careful what I say about New Mexico. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, it's there. You just kind of have to tap into it. I think, the, you know, the teams, the and teams and team owners at the moment, I think maybe hold just a little bit too much power because they will see the kind of a, a little bit more distribution of wealth, which obviously well, these rich owners don't like. Yes, but also no, because if the NFL expanded to forty teams the advertising revenue would expand exponentially because you'd have states that don't have an NFL because there's a lot of local television stations in, in, in the states. A lot of them are on radio and an awful lot. They're all local because, I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously these days you can just watch, every, you know, everyone can access NFL Network and, and you know, but only if you've got, um, what do they call it, cable. Uh, in the states, mm-hmm. but if you've all of a sudden got a, a team in your state, you know that, that's your team. This is true. You know, yeah. I, I, you think about. I mean, and I'll bet you, right? I could be, I could be wrong, but I'll bet you the people in Milwaukee are sick to death of the people in Green Bay because <laughs> they're like Green Bay. Green Bay is like a fifth of the size of Milwaukee. Why have they got a team and we don't? I think I they've think got, they've got basketball. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, but I, I mean, they, I, th- I think like ninety nine percent of the United States is probably sick of Green Bay at this point. So I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, that's fine. I mean, it's, just it's, let them have their little their little team. I mean, why would you not? This is the thing. I, I don't see that a reason why you wouldn't be trying to expand, because I don't think forty teams is ridiculous. We're already at thirty two. It's you know, not, but I, I, we've already got eight should, divisions. Just yeah, have, just I, adding one to each division. I think they should have a. They should expand initially to thirty six, uh, which would then you know it, it wouldn't screw up the schedule too much. But then make a ten year plan to expand to forty, and then do it gradually because uh, the NFL not known for their best kind of short term planning, shall we say, uh, the, the powers of be. But the, um, the other the other thing is. Um, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. I, I apologise. There. The okay, other no, thing oh, is oh, oh. that the if you had a much bigger thing, you could just add a couple of weeks on, and just have you know an extra bye week. Mm-hmm. 
Because it's not that long ago. It was four regular, uh, four preseason games, and then seventeen weeks, obviously with you know one bye week for each team. That's that's twenty one weeks. Yeah, I'm talking about twenty weeks with two bye weeks. I mean, who would who wouldn't take that? And you could still get you could still get a preseason game in. You could maybe add a preseason game for the you know your third stringers and your undrafted rookies or whatever. This makes perfect sense to me. You tell me, Jake. I want your opinion. Do you think I'm talking out my hat? Yes. Also, to play big old <laughs> devil. <laughs> Don't hold to, back, to, mate. Tell wow. me what to really wow. think. Good to, God. To play, to, to play real devil's advocate. Like baseball, play like hundred like eighty two games. Like uh, basketball, play like eighty six games, yeah. if not more. Yeah, and they don't have bye weeks. They go, they play back to back. Sometimes they play three, four times a week. NFL players get on with it, right? But I, I meant, what do you think of expanding to forty teams? I was talking about the, the actual point. <laughs> oh, right. We've gone on a big old tangent. Sorry, I, I, did, I did go slightly off topic there. Um, sorry. But, you know, I was trying to get a point across to Roger Goodell. That's what I'm trying yes, to do. Yes, uh, who's obviously listening. With 40 teams. 40 teams. I mean... It, it's, no, it's not too many. It's not, because like you're saying, you know, soccer and the, you know, in Britain here, you know, we've got 72 teams in the English pyramid, so, and, you know, England is a, a fraction of the size. My only concern with this is, you know, teams like, or, or places like San Diego and St. Louis, and going back to basketball with Seattle losing the Sonics, those teams, and that city and those states just end up being like, well, we don't want a team because you're just going to take it back off us eventually, or if we don't sell out, you're just going to take it off us. And I, I don't... the same with the, the, the Saints, you know, I don't understand why they. I don't understand why they wouldn't sell out. Well, I mean, they wouldn't sell out if they're rubbish. You know what I? Yeah, I, I, no, I you're watering down. You, my my issue is you're watering down the product. I mean, you see, in the NFL is competitive, and then you go to the XFL and the USFL, and people always, you know, dig on it for being, you know, lesser and not as good, and you know, the players aren't as good. You have forty teams. You know. You gotta get watered down. There's gonna be. Well, I know, but you're talking team. about. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, obviously, scientifically speaking, you're watering it down. But you're talking about such a small percentage. It's ridiculous. I mean, well, it's such still a tiny percentage in, in every sport, especially in America. In every sport, you always end up with a super team or a couple of super teams. You're still gonna end up with like two or three teams with all the best talent. And instead of having the Texans and the Jaguars, you're going to have six Texans and six Jaguars. And you're going to be like, this is great. <laughs> I mean, the battle for the first pick will be sensational because there'll be about eight terrible teams going for it. Do you know when you, do you, know when you think about it? It's, it's, it's kind of strange. You look at, um, well, let's take an example. Uh, uh, Jake, you're a, an Everton fan. Sadly, yes. Right. <laughs> um, do you have any idea what the population of Liverpool is? Not even, a, like, no. Does anyone know? I think it's about it's it's about two mil. I but, want to say a bit between one and two mil. So um, Liverpool and Everton, uh, great rivals. They don't like each other very much. Um, they they tend to fill their stadiums. Not bad. Pretty good. Yeah. As long as flights from Norway don't get cancelled, you. It's it's like a quarter. It's a population it's a, of four hundred ninety-eight thousand. How did you get two million? I or maybe am I just including Liverpool and Manchester? Right, you you can't join two cities together. Uh, Half okay. a million, basically. I mean, there, there there was me. There was me just taking Dave at his word because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> what is it, Jake? How many? 
About half a million. Half a million. One sixteenth of the population of New York. And they won't go and see the Jets play. I mean, come on. The Jets can't get enough people to fill MetLife. Neither can the Giants, actually. So <laughs> it's like, you, if you, I mean, you can talk about watering down, but I reckon if you had a team actually in New York, because let's not kid ourselves on here, the Jets and the Giants don't play in New York. They play in New Jersey. New Jersey. So if you had an actual New York team playing in New York, I reckon they'd be selling out every single home game, and particularly if they were playing against the Jets or the Giants. But then you, you're saying that, the, the, you know, the New York Generals or whoever it may be may mm. then sell out. But you, then you're taking away fans away from the Giants and the Jets, and they're going to have even well, less. Well, I don't think you are because the, no one's going to see them anyway. I could be talking. I, I could be talking rubbish I, I, here. It's, it's possible. It, it, it's possible. It's, it's, it's acceptable. I think it would be an option for the league um, if because they, they're obviously on this kind of tap trying to tap into the globalization and expansion. So it's. I think it's one way to actually tap into it. It's an alternative to what they're doing now. Is to tap in more domestically where they are going to get more revenue in as well. You know, so I, I think it's, uh, uh, to me anyway, it's probably the safer play for uh, players to remain on or, or within America during the season instead mm-hmm. of going out onto the uh, the international circuit so much, uh, you know, do, playing more games abroad and in Europe. It would be good for the players maybe, but at the same time, I, I, I get... Jake's point about it being watered down, but at the same time, it wouldn't matter. The Rams are, are winning it for the next couple of years. Who cares about it after so, that? That's fine. See, I'll take that. See, well, one of the, the things that- St. Louis Rams, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, one, one of the things I was thinking about when I was um, had this running through my head about 40 teams, uh, the, the draft would be longer than <laughs> extra eight picks. However, they could just start it earlier and not have the blue man group on. I'm just in, saying- in- yeah, but in fairness, you yeah. still would make it past the yeah. first eight. eight you, you weren't there. <laughs> that's good because it, it started so late. You know, I mean, it's, it starts at like one o'clock in the morning. What do you want me to do? I'm in my forties. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, they've they've listened to you. They're, quite clearly, Roger Goodell is listening to this podcast because what they're going to end up doing is starting an hour earlier for next year because it's in Kansas City. See, so, there you are. Uh, there you are. And then what they should do is they should move it to um, Miami. <laughs> in fact, they should just hold it in Glasgow. That would be the, <laughs> that'd be the, in the Barrowlands. The, bar- the, bar- <laughs> the, bar- the ballroom at the Barrowlands. That it, Roger Goodell, I know you're listening. The ballroom at the Barrowlands is probably available for hire for the NFL draft. And I think you can get like 2,000 people in there, can't you? I'm pretty oh, big. Say, listen, Rog. That's your last free one, okay? You're going to have to stop paying us for these ideas. <laughs> I do. He, abso- <laughs> he absolutely is. Uh, right, gentlemen, um, we, sh- we should probably crack on here, seeing some talk for quite some time about this. We are doing deep dive, deep dive time, and we are talking about the AFC North. That's what we're getting into this time. So uh, last season, the AFC North finished with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, winning the division with 10-7 and seven record. Pittsburgh Steelers finished se- uh, second with 9-7-1. and one. The Cleveland Browns were 8-9. and nine, And the Baltimore Ravens also finished 8-9. and nine. So I think we may as well start it off with the champions, the Cincinnati Bengals. Jake, I'm going to put it to you first. What is your opinion on the Cincinnati Bengals? What are they doing in the off season? What are you looking forward to this season? 
Well, similar to last week, I'm more looking forward. So based on, mm-hmm. I was looking at their schedule and things along those lines, based on their opponent's win percentage last year, the Bengals have the third hardest schedule. That's the perks of coming first. Um, relatively easy first half, um, but then they have a week 10 bye, followed by four out of six road games. I believe one of the home games is also the Packers. Um, but those road games, or in that six-game period, they play the Bills, the Bucks, the Chiefs, and the Titans. So basically, after the bye week, they're in trouble. So they better get off to a hot start. Um, now, in terms of the off-season, um, they've obviously brought in and addressed their major concern in terms of basically the entire offensive line, bringing in Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, Leo Collins, um, they lost CJ Uzama, but they brought in Hayden Hurst. I thought they drafted quite well. Um, but, you know, like I say, if, if they get off to a slow start, they, they could be in real trouble. Um, so I, I do hope they hit the ground running and they kind of carry over the momentum in terms of from, from last year. Um, Dave, what do you think? I think uh, Jake's just uh, echoed exactly what I was thinking. Um I think they, they are kind of lined up for a very similar regular season record. Um, obviously, protecting Joe Burrow at all costs, uh, I think, should be the priority for the Bengals. I think Joe, Joe Burrow is he's getting there to being top-tier quarter, top tier quarterback material. Um, they did bump up the offensive line as well. I think that was the only really, not even a glaring need, I think they just needed some strength and depth, but they've kept their... But basically, they're kind of, I, I, I don't like to use the word core unit, but they kept what they had last year that did work. And I think they've just even buffed it up a little bit. So I'm excited to see the Bengals this year. Um, and I think keeping Joe Burrow healthy will be their sort of main priority. And um, just to echo what Jake said as well, I think they did draft quite well. Um, I think they got some strength and depth as well. Um, but yeah, I'm. I think they they uh, kind of focused on the the defense, if I remember rightly, in their draft yeah. picks. Yeah, and um, I think that was quite a smart thing to do. So they've got they've gone out and got some proven players uh, to bump up the offensive line, and then got some exciting rookies to come in onto the defense. So I'm quite excited this year for the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the defense there. I, I think they are doing the right thing. Off- offensively, they didn't have many problems. Last year, they, you know, they scored four hundred and sixty points. They, what is that, fifth, sixth best in the in the conference? Um, they were yeah. the only team in the the division in the AFC North to actually have a positive points differential. They were the only team in the division to have that, and I think Joe Burrow, if he improves incrementally on what he did last year. I think they'll be looking really good. And as both of you guys have said, you know, I've I've got nothing that you haven't already said. Keep Joe Burrow healthy. They build that defense up. Just tight. It's tightening up. They just need to tighten a few things up, and they'll be absolutely great. I'm looking forward to seeing the Bengals play, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase can do with uh, another. Uh, full off-season under their belt together. It uh, could be quite an exciting year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, moving on, uh, we should be looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. As I say, last year, 9-7-1, half a game off winning the division. Um, you already mentioned the, the huge contract for Minka Fitzpatrick. 
We do, of course, have to address the quarterback situation. They've got a massive upgrade this year because they've got Mitch Trubisky starting for them. So that'll be really good. Uh, Jake, what do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, I looked at the Steelers. They've got five of their first eight on the road. Um, but over the season, we were talking about you know 40 teams and, and you know how they're spread out. Over the season, they will log the fewest travel miles in the league. Um plays into my bias in terms of the Steelers, in terms of Tomlin has never had a losing season. <laughs> Their over-under is set at seven and a half. So Vegas and, and the betting lines are saying this is going to be a first. Uh, Their buy is week nine, so slightly earlier than the Bengals. But in terms of their ins and outs, I mean, they've, they've lost some big big names. Obviously, Big Ben retiring, mm-hmm. Eric Ebon, uh, Joe Hayden, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I am concerned, um, especially because, like you say, Mitch at quarterback or Kenny Pickett, they're going to have to pick it up real quick. And I think the second round uh, draft pick, George George Pickett, I think, or Pickens, I'm not sure which one it is, um, he's going to need to kind of show his worth early because that wide receiver room is a bit shaky. Well, I mean, they've got Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. But losing Juju is a, a big miss to me. Um, I am slightly concerned about the Steelers. Yeah, definitely, I think with the receiving core, you're absolutely right. Um, whether or not you liked Juju Smith-Schuster as a person, um, he was, a, he still is, obviously, a very good wide receiver, but he'll be he's going to be doing it now, catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Um, it did sort of smack a bit of jumping ship, the, the Smith-Schuster move. Um I'm not sure if that is actually the case. Uh, obviously, the, the the Chiefs had lost Tyree Kill. They were looking to get a receiver, and Smith Schuster was available. They they plucked him up straight away. But it didn't really look like the Steelers were even trying very hard to get him, uh, to, to keep him. I beg your pardon. Um, Chase Claypool, as you've already alluded to, the, the defense... <sighs> the defense worries me slightly in Pittsburgh, and I don't think I've ever said that before. It's not that they had a bad defense last year, but they have lost pieces again. Uh, the offense at sometimes was anemic. But I honestly believe, and I, I know we joke about this, I honestly believe that Mitch Trubisky will be more effective than Big Ben was last year. Because Big Ben was just not the same. He wasn't. And he hasn't been for the past two years constantly injured. He just didn't look the same player that he was um in his in his prime so i think actually having mitch trubisky will be a, an advantage for them and i think they could surprise quite a lot of people um the steelers may be chasing for the division lead again this year i, I think they will but they're gonna have to do some things because they have lost quite a few pieces it'll be i'd be really interesting to see how they get on i mean dave what's your opinion well, I when I was doing my uh, research, um, I was going to try and make the comparison between the Steelers and the Seahawks for the biggest downgrade in quarterback. Um, but I am afraid to say I do agree with what you were saying about Big Ben um, because he seems to have been uh, like kind of just waiting for retirement, just kind of uh, too a bit too laid back. I mean. The complete opposite with Mitch Trubisky is that every single time he takes the ball away from the running back, you are going to have your your be on the edge of your seat. Your heart is going to be racing. Like 
please just throw it into the crowd. Don't throw it to try aim for a, uh, someone in within the field because you know it's probably going for a pick. But uh, what I am going to say though is that the Steelers have Mike Tomlin, and you know we we are all big fans of Mike Tomlin. These games that the scrappy games where you're you're a couple points ahead, always just one score play ahead. He just seems to be able to grind it out. Whatever whatever he does, he just seems to be able to grind it out. And I think it was Jake that said, you know, he's never had a losing season. This could be that season, though. Uh, with I, I'm I'm not going to focus on uh, it being Mitch, you know, or whether it's going to be Kenny Pickett after kind of week eight, which quite possible. Um, but I I think they are going to they're going to struggle to get to eight or nine wins this season. Uh, I think um, this could be the season that Mike Tomlin finally gets a losing record, I'm afraid. Um, I think it does depend on the other teams in their division, though. Uh, so, yeah, obviously the Steelers, they've got the uh, it was lowest mileage around the league, Jake. Uh, yeah. I yeah, don't have to travel too far. That's um, right, yeah. yeah. What, was it not? I think someone had posted on Twitter or something that the, the Steelers travelling... Um, the, the like their entire mileage is less than now. Who was it? I don't Seattle, think, I think, was it? Was it? It might have been Seattle in like a two week span. Yeah, I'm or pretty sure it was Seattle. I saw a comparison with because they were not happy, but that's what happens when you're all the way up in Washington. And yeah, well, that's very true. So, um, moving on, we knew this was coming eventually, gentlemen. We had to talk about it. We didn't talk about it last week. It's the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Cleveland Browns last year finished 8-9. Third in the division, uh, they were ahead of the Baltimore Ravens, um, I believe, by record within the division or, or possibly within the conference. They were both 8-9. But the Browns did finish third. Obviously, some huge changes for the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield is no longer there. Uh, well, he is there, but he may as well no longer be there. They signed Deshaun Watson to that massive contract. Uh, five Was it five years? 230 million guaranteed. A lot of money. And they also brought in Amari Cooper from Dallas. A huge signing for, for the Browns there. Uh, but we do have to talk about the Deshaun Watson situation. We'll get into that in a, in a wee bit. Jake, um, what do you think is going to be happening with the Cleveland Browns this year? Uh, arguably the, the hardest team to predict because... I think Cameron brought up when we, we were speaking to him in terms of they'd have a stacked roster. Um, they lost a lot of positions, um, but pretty much every position they lost, they either signed or arguably strengthened. Um, a lot of the season will obviously come down to who is playing quarterback. Is it Deshaun Watson? Even if it is Deshaun Watson, he's not played in over a year. You know, Is he going to hit the ground running? Because um, if it ends up being Brissett, no offense, he's a massive downgrade on on Baker and and or Watson. Um, from the Browns, they, they start the season against the Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, and the Falcons. So, even Brissett should probably go for four and zero. They've got a week nine bye, same as the Steelers, um, and then they finish the season with Washington and the Steelers away. So, just off the bat, when I was looking at it, I was saying that's that should be five six wins. No That's matter a, who the quarterback Yeah, that is. looks that looks quite favourable, really, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, especially the first four games, which, you know, if you believe in conspiracies, could be what their suspension could be, and they've got four cake. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, that's just my maybe me reading into it. But, like I say, they, they've brought in some good players. Um, Amari Cooper, like you said, Chase Winovich. Um, they re-signed David Njoku and Denzel Ward. Uh, they brought Clowney back. He took less money to be back. Um, 
So as much as they are like a lot of teams in terms of what happens at the quarterback will dictate a lot, their roster is crazy stacked. Dave, what do you reckon? Cleveland Browns. I mean, where do you start? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't see Deshaun Watson playing next year. I, 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 just, I don't see it. If there's any morality left in the NFL, he does not play at least next year uh, because these lawsuits are just going up and up and up. And I, it, at the moment, even however many weeks after the initial um, the, the initial announcements about how many lawsuits there were, the, that number is still going up and I, there's not much sign of it stopping. So I don't see Deshaun playing next year. They do, however, have a stacked team and it it worries it worries me that you know obviously money talks and you know we we talked about it before that the Browns fans are a lot of them are very not happy and what what it would take to kind of walk away from their team for a lot of them this does seem to be a a turning point but I think I, I think they will have a decent season with or without Deshaun I think they'll win the division if Deshaun Watson is playing I. Do, I think it will be close with the Bengals and the Ravens for first place uh, if he's not there. But just to echo what Jake said, Jacoby Brissett is not even close to the the skill level of Deshaun Watson. And I think he's a much worse option than Baker Mayfield. But on that as well, where does Baker go? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm struggling to see where he's going to fit in. He, he could kind of not play next year or just wait for a quarterback to go down injured and he might get... Sat- you know, signed on for the remainder of the of the season, but yeah, an interesting one. But I I think that with Deshaun Watson, I think they win the division. Without Deshaun Watson, I think they're fighting and scrapping for a, a wild card playoff. The Panthers rumors have resurfaced again, um, um, just over the last couple of days. So that mm-hmm. certainly seems like the most likely spot for Baker, and it seems to be ramping up again. So be interesting yeah. to see if that happens before training camp. Or well, th- like you say, is it just going to be a quarterback goes down and team phones up Cleveland? Mm-hmm. I I think that uh, Baker will will sit out, if even if he doesn't get traded. I think he'll refuse to play. Uh, I Quite think right. he'll, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll agree with him one hundred percent. And I think he'll you know if they find him, I think he'll take the fines. And I would stand behind him a hundred percent on that decision. For anyone who's been living under a rock since March. We do need to talk about this. So Deshaun Watson, the quarterback at the time for the Houston Texans, didn't play any of last year. He had these 22 lawsuits against him and there were allegations of um, sexual uh, misconduct, I believe, uh, regarding some massage therapists or or masseurs that he'd been uh, involved with. Now, these 22 allegations crept up. I, I believe actually two of them were dropped and uh, no criminal charges were actually filed, but they then turned into civil lawsuits. And in the past the three or four days, it's actually gone up. It's to 26 now. There are 26 civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson. Now, I want to make it perfectly clear that none of us are saying Deshaun Watson is guilty or innocent. We're just reporting the facts as we know them. The facts that were reported by the New York Times in a, in a report seeing that Deshaun Watson had booked massage sessions from 66 separate women over a 17-month period. From this, 26 civil lawsuits have been filed. 
Now, they also reported that the Houston Texans provided a venue for some of the appointments for Deshaun Watson, and a team representative provided Deshaun with an NDA after one of his accusers threatened to expose him online, to expose messages, I believe, uh, from Instagram. The Texans stated they will continue to cooperate with investigators. The Browns had no comment. The NFL also declined to comment, saying that the matter is under review and they will comment after the review, period. Now, we don't know if any of this is true. Uh, We don't know how much of it is true. We know nothing. All we know is that Deshaun Watson looked like, at one point, he was never going to play again. He was sitting on the Texans and all these lawsuits were up in the air and the Texans basically said, right, you're not playing for us. We don't need this. And then eventually uh, he got traded and he got traded to the Cleveland Browns for a bunch of picks, a whole bunch of picks. And then the Browns paid him a fully guaranteed $230 million over five years. Uh, So $46 million a year with the caveat that his base salary for the 2022 season would be $1 million, which essentially made the other $45 million a guaranteed bonus that he was going to get regardless. So his salary would be $1 million. So even if the NFL suspended Deshaun Watson for the, the full year, 2022, the only money they can touch is $1 million. It's got to be the most player-friendly contract (laughs) ever. I mean, without a question, it has to be. And when when I saw those numbers, and I know you guys thought the same thing, when we saw these numbers, we thought, this is just, regardless of whether these rumours are true or not, it's a despicable move by the Cleveland Browns to structure the contract in a way that essentially says, we don't care if you're guilty or not. They, they are fully, like you say, they've, they've fully kind of made their bed. And like since they've made their bed, I think four more. Um, yeah, it, it was 22 at the time. It's now 26. So there's 26 civil lawsuits being filed against Deshaun Watson. And if the reports from the New York Times are to be believed, and again, just to reiterate, we're not saying that Deshaun Watson is innocent or guilty, but if there is any truth at all to these allegations, any truth, then Deshaun Watson should never play again in the NFL. And the Cleveland Browns should have to forfeit all of the money they were going to pay him. He should have to forfeit the money. And the Browns should have to forfeit, sorry, the Texans will be essentially equally as liable and they should have to forfeit all those picks that they received in exchange for Deshaun Watson. It's a, a disgusting set of affairs. If any of this is true, it's absolutely disgusting. I, I just can't, I, I don't want it to be true. Obviously, none of us do. We don't want any of this to be true. But the, the, the absolute best case scenario that comes from this entire situation is that all of these women are lying. And what does that tell you about society? And that's best case scenario because the alternative is unthinkable. Nobody knows what happened in these rooms with these people 
with the exception of Deshaun Watson and and the, the ladies themselves. The the worst thing for me is the fact that Deshaun Watson keeps on coming out and saying that he wants to clear his name, and you know he, he believes he's you know he's innocent and things like that, and that's you know all fair and easy. He's saying he wants this to basically play out and and show everyone he's wrong. Um, the other day, I think it was a week or two ago, um, Diddy, P Diddy, whatever you want to call him these days, put up a picture of himself in the garden getting a massage. And Deshaun Watson, with everything going on, thought, now's a good time to reply with five eye emojis. As if I've not got enough going on in the world. As if people don't have enough questions. I'm going to just stir the pot. And now he's made his Twitter private because obviously his uh, lawyer probably yes. with his head in hand is going, what are you doing? He will have done. Now, now Deshaun Watson's 26 years old. Okay. So a lot of people will look at that and say, you know, he's a young guy. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's 26. He's not 16. And when he was he was asked, there was there was an interview. Now I didn't see the whole interview. I, I caught snippets of it. Where someone had asked him about the truth behind this New York Times support that he had booked sessions with 66 separate women in 17 months. And Deshaun Watson's answer was. I'm I'm not sure about if that figure's accurate. And he, he just he sort of spoke for like twenty seconds and said, You need to speak to my legal team and or talk to my lawyer. And I think if this isn't true, right, and I I'm not saying he's guilty, I'm just saying if it's not true, you would say, Why of course not. Sixty six women in seventeen months? That's it's just that, that's, yeah, that's, it's what, that's a different woman every week. And and you just I think you had figured out it was like three and a half. Like he, he worked out something like three and a half per game or something, something ridiculous. He, he worked it out, at. but yeah, I, like I, saying, I, and he, you think he's it, saying one thing to you know to the media just coming out with a statement saying like you know I'm here to clear my name, and then like you say, he gets asked about it, gets a chance to do it, and he's like, figures well, might not be right. I, I know. I mean, and you know what? It could just be that he has been told by his lawyers don't answer any questions. That this could be all it is. Don't say anything. If anyone asks you a question regarding this, you tell them to talk to us. This could be why Deshaun Watson said what he said. But the, the reality is, you're going, I mean, I don't... Have you guys ever had a massage? Have you ever gone to a professional masseuse or masseur? I forget the term. Massage therapist. I've had, I've had one when you, I was away on a holiday, yeah. Uh, uh, Dave, have you ever had a massage? Uh, no comment. Okay. So that's, that sounds really <laughs> yes. bad, by the way. Yeah, yeah uh, okay. No, so, uh, yeah, yes, yes, I have. But okay, that, you know, okay. Yeah. So I've, I've had several massages in my life. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoy getting a massage. Works mm -hmm. out all the tension. When my, the, the, the woman who, who used to do the massage for me left the place she was working in, I haven't had a massage since. Do you know why? Because when you find a massage therapist that works for you, it's like a barber or a hairdresser that works for you. If your mm. barber or hairdresser goes, you're you're annoyed by it. You're like, oh, I was the only person I trusted to cut my hair every time and I didn't need to worry about it. And they weren't, you know, pulling hairs out of the back of my neck or whatever it is. When you find the one thing, that's the this is the one that I like. 66 and 17 months. I mean, 
he must have been looking really hard for the right massage therapist. It's just the 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 numbers don't add up. And I I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And we hear far too many stories um, that are legitimately stories about people being accused of things and it's not the case. And it it really colors our perception of these things. And when you hear about celebrities, does it because the man's a celebrity. He's an A-list celebrity. Well he is now. Good grief. He's the biggest A-list celebrity in the States because of everything else that's gone on. And but you do hear about these things happening and there's false accusations. And it's he said, she said. But this is he said versus 66, well, 26, I beg your pardon, 26, she said. And it's it's hard to look at this and, and not say, do you know what? I don't know if he's guilty or if he's innocent, if he did something or if he didn't do something, but it's hard to look at it and say, something's not right. And all this time I've been talking, I haven't mentioned what I think the Browns are going to finish in the division. <laughs> I think they finished last. I think Deshaun Watson doesn't play. I think Bacon Mayfield doesn't play. And despite the fact that you guys are absolutely right, Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb in the backfield are fantastic. Probably the best backfield tandem in the NFL. And as long as you've got Miles Garrett on that defensive line, you're going to be getting to the quarterback. They've got a solid defense, solid offense, talent everywhere they got Amari Cooper in but I just think that there's too many distractions for this team and I will not be surprised if the Cleveland Browns absolutely implode this year and win four games bottom of the division they can draft a good quarterback next year <laughs> they can't they don't have any picks oh they don't have any picks they don't, oh, have any, right, they don't yeah. have any picks and they won't have any cap money I said did see on a, on a lighter note and it did give me a little chuckle on Twitter, someone saying if the Browns cut him today, it's only 194 million in dead space. So you know, oh, the cap is a myth, but even the Browns would struggle to get out of that one. 194 million. Yeah, I think dead it was money. something like that. Yeah, in dead money, that's an awful lot. Um, should we move on, guys? What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. we've got one, one more to go, and a, a much classier organisation. Yes, even and a very few folks thought they would say that about an Art Model team, but yeah. The, the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens uh, last year finished bottom of the division, as I said, um, due to uh, interdivisional and conference record. They finished 8-9, same as the Browns, bottom of the division. I don't think anyone saw them finishing bottom of the division last year, but out of all the teams apart from Cincinnati, they actually had the best points differential, negative 5. The Steelers who finished second at negative 55. So that kind of tells you all you need to know. So the Ravens... Lamar. It's all about Lamar for me. Um, Dave, let's take it over to you first. What's your opinion on the Baltimore Ravens this year? I think these are the contenders to challenge the Bengals this year. Um, and I hope they are as well, because I think keeping Lamar healthy should be their kind of prime thing. And obviously the way he plays, there's a lot of risk to it. A lot of reward as well. Um uh, yeah, I, I think I, I like the Ravens. And plus, obviously, addition of David Ojabo, got to big them up as well. Um, but yeah, Lamar, he, he, was it only six, six, seven games he played last year? Uh, uh, 12 in total, but I don't know how many he actually started. Yeah, or, yeah. Or yeah. sore out, you know, in total. Yeah, I, th I think it was a bit of a bad year for Lamar. But I think um, if he's got a full, full um, 
preseason behind him, and he goes into the season confident. He's, he's still got weapons in that team. Yeah, I, I, I quite like the Ravens this year. Um, I think they will bounce back. I think, like you said, uh, Ian, at the start, um, I don't think anyone expected them to come bottle their division. But at the same time, there's only like two games between first and last in that division. So it was unexpected. But at the same time, looking back through the season, it wasn't overly surprising with some of the scenarios. But yes, I, I I'm tipping the Ravens to be uh, either nine or ten win, wins next season, and I think they'll at least get into the playoffs uh, come the end of the season, as long as Lamar stays healthy. Yeah, um, for for those of you listening, you know, as I say, they finished bottom of the division. They had the same record as Cleveland, and they were one game behind the Steelers, so one game mm-hmm. off second place. They were essentially two games off winning. So yeah. there was <laughs> when you when you say oh they finished bottom of the division for like oh really what like three and fourteen uh, no eight and nine two games off winning so uh, yeah there, there is that uh, the Ravens uh, the Ravens are very close last year um, I think they just need to keep the man healthy or they need to get him signed more than anything else Jake your yes. opinion on Baltimore I think uh, last season they were playing chess not checkers because thanks to that fourth place finish they have the eleventh easiest schedule. Um, they start with the AFC East. They they play all of the AFC East. Not a bad division to be playing. Yes. Um, they got a week 10 by, but throughout the season, they played teams, Jets, Giants, Panthers, Falcons, Jags. That's five wins. Um, like, like Dave's already said, Lamar Jackson only played 12 games. Like I said, I don't think he even played all of them in total. That's just, he was on the field for 12 games. Mm-hmm. They lost a bunch of starters, some even before the season began, and then others during the season. If you look past the wide receiver room, they've got a great roster. Obviously, the wide receiver room is a big worry. You can only throw the ball to Mark Andrews so many times before they're just going to triple cover him. Um, But they brought in Marcus Williams, Cal Fuller. I think they've got great, if not fantastic, defensive backfield. Uh, Look more like a a traditional Ravens in terms of that defense is brilliant. Uh, A deep running back room, which they're going to need. Um, because they will make them work. Um, but like you both said, as long as they keep Lamar healthy and happy, um, I don't see really any way they don't win the division. Uh, I'm very confident that the Ravens are going to have a good season. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I mean, again, even looking at last year's things, I, I don't want to keep just looking at that. Obviously, we're talking about what's going to happen this year. But looking at last year's uh, games, their losses... With the exception of there was an outlier against uh, the the two games against the Bengals, where they got absolutely clobbered by the Bengals both times they played them. All their other losses were so small. So week one they lost in overtime to the Raiders, six points, and then they lost to the Bengals. They lost to the Dolphins by twelve points. They lost to the Steelers by one point. The Browns by two points, and the Packers by one point in a three-game losing stretch. One point, two points, one point. They then lost again to the Bengals, and then lost to the Rams by one point, and the Steelers by three points in overtime. You're looking at those one field goal, and they could have been a thirteen-win team. One field goal in each of those games. If only they had a top kicker. I know. <laughs> if only they had a top kicker I know, that's, to get those field goals. See, they, they need someone else. 
you know, they, they need a... Lawrence Tynes, that's who they need. They yeah, need Lawrence Tynes, that's who they need. Um, but it's it's just crazy to think, because we all look at the Ravens and we think, they're, they're regular season masters, have been for what feels like, you know, 20 years, and the Ravens always do well. Um, but I all they really need is a couple of things, to, balls to bounce their way, a couple of plays to go their way, a couple of calls to go their way, and last year they're a 30 win team. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They, they could have been the first seed in the AFC instead of finishing bottom of the division. Would, um, would, you, make the, would you make the argument that if, say, for example, Mike Tomlin was head coach of the Ravens, do you think those games may have been turned around on their heads? You know, that, no, because, no? I, no, because I, I, I've got faith in Harbaugh. I've got faith in that mm. he knows what he's doing. As, as you guys both alluded to, he was missing his main weapon for most of the year in Lamar. A, full, a fully fit Lamar anyway. Full, oh, definitely a fully fit. Yeah. Even when Lamar was on the field, he didn't look like Lamar. He really didn't. I think Harbaugh has built the team. Uh, do you know what? Like a Ravens team. Like you said, Jake, it's about defense. It's about running game. That's, that's the way they win. Um, and he's built the team around that. But the problem is that if one of those, if your your biggest piece, if your main offensive weapon goes down, that's when you lose games by one point and two points, and one point and three points, and two points and one point, which is what they did last year. The, the two Bengals games are outliers. They got thrashed, forty-one seventeen, and forty-one twenty-one. They lost to the Bengals. That's it. The division is where it's the most important because, like you say, if they beat the Bengals even once, the Bengals are then nine and eight, and the Ravens or nine and eight, you know. Yeah, that's where they the, kind of they lost two games to the Steelers, one by one point, one by three points. Yeah, they lost by they two easily. points to the Browns, and they beat the Browns sixteen ten. So they they lost one, two, three, four, five of their six division games, and they lost one by three points, one by two points, one by one point. I mean that's just that's ridiculous. So I think I think the Beng uh the I keep saying the Bengals, sorry. I think the Ravens, if Lamar's healthy and they can figure out anything at all in the passing game, uh I think the Ravens will might win the division again. It's, it's, what do we it's, think about the well we're talking about the wide receiver there? What, what do you think about the the Hollywood Brown trade? I was surprised when it happened. But I don't think it's happened for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, because why would you essentially get rid of... Well, it's... <laughs> do you know what? I'm trying to understand it. I, yeah, I'm like... Ah. Because I can't see why things happened the way they did, I don't understand it. You can compare it to the Juju system. Uh, to, uh, sort of uh, scenario as well because you know they were they weren't overly keen to keep Juju in Pittsburgh or or they weren't you know putting a, a huge load of effort into re-signing him but at the same time the Ravens it, it didn't really seem like they put up much of a fight you know to keep Hollywood there so there's something missing in the jigsaw so maybe something to keep an eye on for next season with Hollywood Brown I think for the Raven, from the Ravens' perspective, he wasn't happy because obviously he's a wide receiver in a not wide receiver friendly room. Mm-hmm. He was 
coming up, was this their third, fourth year? Yeah. I think to get the value they did was fantastic. Uh, what, what? Sorry, what did they get for him again? It was a first, and was it a third? Or was it just a first? It might have just been a first, actually. No, I think it was just a first. They got... Um, ah, yes. So it, they, they traded um, Hollywood Brown and, and, the, and the 100 overall pick to the Cardinals in, in exchange for number 23. Yeah. So they got a first, a first round, round pick him. back for him um, when he was, you know, uh, recently on Twitter, everyone's just sharing when he's obviously complaining about um, his his numbers not being, you know, great because of the, the system he plays in. Everyone's just sharing him dropping wide open passes, going, "Well, <laughs> it would be better if you caught the ball." Also, yeah, and, and but but shipping out Sammy Watkins. It's, Huh. That is my biggest concern. Is it's, 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 I, I feel like I feel like you could put my name on the wide receiver depth chart, and no one would be like, "Who's that guy?" They'd be like, "Yeah, he's he, the same name as everyone else." Yeah. But the, the thing is, like, Hardball must have a plan. He's been in this league long Run enough. Off. Run the damn ball. Well, do you know what? Maybe he is. Maybe he's actually to hell with the pass. Just Our run, run, yeah, twice a game. Yeah. Our running game is so good and so effective. That no one can stop it. We're just gonna go out and break our own record. That what did they set that? Was it two years ago? They set the NFL rushing record for a season with like a billion yards. That's what it felt like. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous with uh Lamar Jackson rushing for over a thousand yards in a season. You're thinking, oh, what are you playing at here? Uh so yes, that's that's the AFC North cover gentlemen um it's it looks to be very exciting very tight again uh going going forward uh this year we're almost coming up to the end of our show but as you know guys we can't just walk out without doing random stats so uh jake would you like to take the lead on random stats this week i can indeed i am very good normally to avoid in the saints but i have gone homer this time um, but for a good reason, because over the last 10 seasons, there is only one player with 12 or more sacks in five of those seasons. There are a fair few people with four seasons, looking at Von Miller, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. Uh, the player with the most overall sacks, which is Chandler Jones, but the only one to do it in five of those seasons is the legend, the fro, the greatest hairstyle, Cameron Jordan. <laughs> Consistency. He is second over, over the last 10 seasons. Chandler Jones has 107 and a half sacks. Cameron Jordan has 106. But obviously he's just done it more spread out and consistent over, over the seasons. But I thought I was, I saw that and I thought I, I've got to give a shout out to Cameron Jordan. He's a great character, a great person and a fantastic defender. And also, obviously, we always know that if you sign a, a defensive lineman or a linebacker called Cameron, you know you're going to get plenty of sacks out of them. Yes, that's, that's just a, it's a guarantee, really, isn't it? You know, um, that's that's that has a model of consistency, isn't it? Always ever reliable. He doesn't get the sorry the praise that I think he kind of deserves as well. I, I Tell mean, me about you, it. <laughs> well, I think you know, obviously, his his numbers are always. Huge and he, his impact in every game he plays is huge. I mean, every time the Rams came up against the Saints, uh, you know, in the playoffs and even during the regular season, my eyes are on Cameron Jordan because I know how 
deadly he could be and I worry for my quarterback uh, for the, for his just general health and safety to be honest when Cam Jordan's coming out at a million miles an hour so yeah big <laughs> shout out to Cam Jordan finally getting the recognition he deserves on the WinFL show so does it a lot of the times without a lot of help as well because the Saints keep on trying to help him and doesn't always work out, but we can always rely on Cam Jordan. It's what happens when you draft six centers every draft. So you know, if you know, if you're not going to draft the right pieces, <laughs> there we go. Too many centers. Maybe that's why he's so good because he's you know yeah. in practice. This is like he's, he's going up against eight offensive linemen. Yeah, <laughs> just line up all the offensive linemen. It's a gauntlet. <laughs> That'll be it. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll I'll go next with the, the random stat here, gentlemen. We all know that um, when you take a quarterback first overall in the NFL draft, um, it's a it's a big risk, but it it, it can pay off for you. you big shout out, Jared Goff. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, quarterbacks that have been drafted first overall, nine of them have won Super Bowls. Those players are Teddy Bradshaw, who's won four. Jim Plunkett, who's won two. John Elway, who's won two. Troy Aikman, who's won three. Drew Bledsoe, who has won. Peyton Manning, with two. David Carr, who has won. I'm still trying to work that one out. Eli Manning, who has two. Matthew Stafford, who has won. So between them, between these nine quarterbacks they've actually uh, got 18 rings between them the first overall however we're not talking about quarterbacks who were drafted first overall we're going to talk about quarterbacks who were drafted second overall oh so nine quarterbacks drafted first overall have 18 rings between them of quarterbacks who were drafted second overall there are two rings between them and they're both by one player. Wow. Now, I'm not going to ask you to name the player because that'll be, quite, be quite difficult. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to read well, some names out to you and then I'll tell you who's actually won a Super Bowl. So the last um, quarterback to be drafted second overall was, of course, Zach Wilson under the Jets. Yes, indeed. Uh, prior to him, 2017, Mitchell Trubisky. Carson Wentz in 2016, Marcus Mariota in 2015. You'll notice a trend here. a lot of quarterbacks going second overall. Uh, Robert Griffin III in 2012, Donald McNabb, 99, Ryan Leaf, 98, Rick Meyer in 1993, Bert Jones, LSU boy, uh, 1973, Archie Manning uh, from Mississippi, 1971, Roman Gabriel in 1962, Norm Sneed, 1961 from Wake Forest, George Izo. Uh, from 1960, and in 1956, the only quarterback ever drafted second overall to win a Super Bowl, Errol Morrill, who won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Colts and a Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins. Um, Errol Morrill uh, was uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks in in NFL history. Um, Never gets any recognition, like none, you get, it gets no recognition. A lot of people don't even know his name. They think of uh, quarterbacks with the Colts and Johnny Unitas. Yeah, uh, there were times Errol Morrill, who was a league MVP as well, 
Errol Morrill uh, had Unitas on the bench. And I'm I'm Didn't not making this up. There were times where Johnny Unitas was backing up Earl Morrill. Earl Morrill was an incredible player. Absolutely incredible player. He played from 1956 to 1976. He was a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. Um, oh, sorry, I, I said uh, two, two Super Bowl, three-time Super Bowl champion. Um, he was one-time NFL uh, championship winner. He won the 1968 um, MVP for AP and NEA. Won the 1968 UPI MVP. Don't even know what that is. He won. He was a two-time uh, Player of the Year, and he won the 1972 uh, Comeback Player of the Year award as well. Uh, Earl Morrill was just an incredible player, uh, but obviously, given the 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 uh, decades that he played in, his numbers really don't stand out very much. He was actually drafted uh, in 1956 by the San Francisco uh, 49ers. He was only with them for one year, and in 57 he went to the Steelers. In 58 he went to uh, De- Detroit. He was with Detroit up until 1964. In 1965 he went to the New York Giants. In 68 he went to Baltimore on his first rings and then he went to Miami in 1972 um Earl Morrill was the quarterback uh for the, he went the nine, Miami team uh, yes his his record was nine and oh in 1970 nine games for the Dolphins won every single one of them uh and Earl Morrill never gets the love but he is the only quarterback ever drafted second overall to win a Super Bowl and he's got three of them Big shout out, Earl Morrill. Uh, so that's my random stat. Uh, Mr. Somerville, I believe you are the last one to go for us. Would you care to give us your random stat? Take La- us home. Take last us home. The, last, the yeah. last leg, yeah. Yeah, last but not least. So I'm going to switch up a bit and I'm going to look to the future. Okay. So my random stat concerns a wide receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league for two years. Now, his stats are, he's played thir- He's played in 33 games, mm-hmm. started 31, 196 receptions for 3,016 yards and 17 touchdowns. Now, I feel he's a little bit underrated because I think the future is going to be not just himself. He's going to be right up as one of the best in the league. I think that the future is going to hold his last name because he has two younger brothers playing in the college league that could be just as good as him and i think obviously we've spoken on this podcast so much about wide receivers getting paid and i think the big contract is going to fall to this player are we we've been talking about the big contracts because at christian kirk though that's that's all on him we can blame it's, christian kirk for a lot absolutely uh, and we rightfully should blame christian when, kirk when cooper cup got his contract he was like yes christian nice one thank you christian yeah I mean, Devontae Adams. <laughs> Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, all of them. Debo's I hope he's getting a lot of Christmas presents this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Debo's going to be lighting up outside Christian Kirk's house. <laughs> you know, come, come Christmas time, be like, yes, my man. Who's your agent? So, <laughs> so he's got... So he's been, he's been in the league two years. And two how, years. how many yards did you say? He's got 3,016 yards that obviously in his first two years in the league did break the record (laughs) for most receiving yards. So it's 1,500 yards a season. Um, mm, I was going to say Justin Jefferson, 
but uh, I'm, although I don't think he's underrated at all, uh, uh, CD Lamb, he was because Jerry. I know it's not Jerry Judy. Not Jerry Judy. No, no, he's he missed far too much. <laughs> if I was to guess, uh, with especially like underrated or maybe flies under the radar, or maybe not so much uh, currently with his contract dispute, I, I would say Terry McLaurin, scary Terry, scary Terry. I, oh, I tell you what, I was very, uh, very tempted to find something about Scary Terry, but it is Justin Jefferson, and I should just, have stuck with my first instinct. The aforementioned, yes, aforementioned. Um, so what what he's managed to do in his first two years, I think, is a new benchmark. I think obviously he has broken the records. Uh, it was Odell Beckham Jr.'s uh, record for most receiving yards by a player in his first two NFL seasons. Um, but what I think is going to happen is he is going to get paid the mega bucks in Minnesota. And, you know, obviously his stats back up as well. But at the same time, he, not only does he have two brothers, Jordan Jefferson and Ricky Jefferson, who play for LSU. Big shout out there, mm-hmm. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he is also the first NFL player to be added to the game Fortnite with his Get Gritty Dance. Oh. Okay. So that that is another... Uh, kind of pay incentive that he's going to get there, uh, possibly from uh, the makers of the Fortnite game. But the main one that I want, he has a significant, shall we say, occasion in his life uh, that we need to talk about because Justin Joshua Jefferson, all the J's, was born June 16th, 1999. Now, today is June 15th. Tomorrow is not only his birthday, but one other very significant Jay on this podcast. So, Jake, this one's for you. You share your birthday with the big Jay man himself. From myself, from Neosa, a massive happy birthday for tomorrow, my man. Because you you will be... Well, we'll pretend that you're 21, but you're not. So, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we can pretend you're 21. But, uh, yeah, the, I was, for my random start, I was determined I was going to find someone that had, you know, the caliber of yourself in terms of the, the NFL. Uh, so they don't exist. So I had to stick with Justin Jefferson. <laughs> there you I'm, go. I, I think, yeah, as soon as you get to the NFL, you're struggling to kind of compare me. But I, I really appreciate that. It's, I actually... When you mentioned Justin Jefferson, I went onto his Wikipedia. I was like, "Oh, he's born on June the 16th. And then, as soon as you started going, I was like, "I know where this is going." There we go. Oh, and, uh, happy birthday tomorrow for you, Jake. From, uh, from Thank myself you kindly. Well, obviously, um, do you know what, Dave? Um, great stat. I was going to say I don't think he's underrated, but he might actually be because obviously he had this huge uh, rookie season in mm. 2020. But I was I was looking at some stats there um, that was broken by Jamar Chase. Last yes. year. But, but Another LCU boy. My goodness. Can't escape them. Um, but last year, oh my goodness, he had 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I didn't know that. I was I think <laughs> you're, you're right. He might be underrated. I think what the Vikings did last year, though, was when they got to the red zone, they did quite a lot focus on the run game a lot more. They said tended to approach... I uh, have that approach, um, you know. But whereas in previous yeah. years, you know, you can go back, you can, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, obviously Randy Moss, you know, one of the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, wide receiver. You know, he's right up there in that conversation. Uh, obviously, with the stats, you can 
you can definitely go along the lines of Jerry Rice or any player along those lines. But I think he is someone that has adapted to them really well, but I think he's going to get his massive payday. I, I think, you know, what what someone like Debo is going to be looking for, I think Justin Jefferson can command even higher than that. And, you know, the 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 likes of Tyreek Hill, uh, Javante Adams, I think it, what, what, he's in his second year, give it a year or two years, that contract's going to be huge. And I think yeah. that could actually lead to the future you know i think the bubble will just burst even more and obviously you know another a jefferson legacy is coming through jordan and ricky are also doing very well at lsu so big shout out justin jefferson do you know the thing is that you're talking about that i think last year had a market effect on people's perceptions of wide receivers because we've we've always said as has everyone it's the most dependent position in the game Mm-hmm. It's wide receiver. You're, you're so dependent on your quarterback and the offensive line. You're, you're just so dependent on it. But I think because of Cooper Cup's heroics and Jamar Chase's heroics, guys, and not not on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Obviously, it's not like Cooper Cup's at the end of his career, um, but proving so valuable. Let's not forget when Jamar Chase was drafted by the Bengals. A lot of people went, that's a very sexy pick, but they should have taken Penai Sewell. Mm-hmm. They should have gone for the offensive lineman. I think we had that conversation at we, the time. We did. I, I mm-hmm. think we all thought, wow, Chase is going to be great, but you know, if, if Burrow spends the entire season on his back, it doesn't matter if he's got Randy Moss and Terrell Owens down there. Um, but that connection that Burrow showed with uh, Chase was sensational last year. I look forward to seeing it happen again. And Justin Jefferson, what as you quite rightly said, was incredible. It's just, these young receivers the last couple of years who seem to have come out. Um we we I'm still waiting for C D Lamb to do something. Because I think he's a great player. I just I don't know what's for some reason he's not produced as much as I thought he would. And Jerry Judy was injured all of last year. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, he didn't have a single receiving touchdown last year. I think Oof. that not yeah. one. That's a random stat for you. Wow! <laughs> Good nice. grief. The only other thing I was going to say as well, Justin Jefferson, he, he fell 16 yards short of Randy Moss's single season Vikings receiving record uh, last year as well. Good so he grief. got 1,616 yards in the regular season uh, oh. last year, and he was just 16 yards short. Obviously, I think it probably he played a game more. Uh, than Randy Moss would have done, but at the same time, you know that that's a crazy record in itself, and I, th- I think he's just going to get better and better. I, I just think- saw that he missed out on. He was on the second team All Pro for two, the second year running. He missed out on the first team by a single vote. If he got those sixteen yards, oh, oh that, if he'd broken the record, that would have just just knocked him up. A oh, franchise record. Oh, let's give him an extra vote there. That would have done it. Excellent stat there, Dave. Uh, excellent stat there, guys. All together. That is the end of our show here at the WinFL Show. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening in. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at the WinFL Show. You can also find Jake, Dave, and myself on Twitter. We thank you all so much for listening in. Uh, a big shout out again to the guys over at the NFL Scotland podcast, uh, uh, Cameron Hobbs, who was on a couple of weeks ago. Really appreciated that. Uh, they've been they've been absolute gentlemen as well. Uh, thank you you jake thank you dave really appreciate it same time next week fellas 
Yep. Thank you so much for having us. And obviously, big shout out to NFL uh, Scotland guys and big up the Jets, Cameron. <laughs> you, are you going to just do that every single week now, Dave? Every week. Thank you, man. Uh, that's uh, the end of our show. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to the NFL show. <laughs>